Jay right in your face. Welcome back to the Fadeaway Podcast, episode number 32. I'm your host, Fatty. I got Zaid here with me. How you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing well. Magic Johnson episode. You can do Shaquille O'Neal. Miami Heat Shack. Miami Heat Shack, exactly. Um, other 32s. I feel like J- Jason Kidd, when he was first drafted, he's a little, uh, not, a little not trivia, but a little uh, tidbit. Yeah. For the yeah, Suns. War number 32. Um, maybe no other prominent 32 that comes to there mind right is. now. There probably is, for sure. There's, there's always plenty. We always end up Googling it later. Um, let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. It's not going to come up. It's not going to come up. Let's see. Blake Griffin. Oh, BG. Uh, CJ Watson. Put some respect. Oh, is that Carl Malone? I, that doesn't look right. That looks Photoshopped. But is that Kevin McHale? Yeah, Kevin McHale's in there. Okay, a whole bunch. A, a couple. Whole bunch. And Dean Wade. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. I'm good, man. How are you? Man, I'm doing well. Just uh, hanging in there, you know, counting. Uh, well, unfortunately, counting down the days because the, the NBA season is coming to an end. But yeah. uh, summer's here. Yo, today was the first time in my life a fully sunny day was cloudy. Yeah, because of some, some weird thing that Kira researched, and it turned out to be the humidity and smoke. Oh, the smoke and smoke, smoke in the air. From, yeah, whatever. Canada's hotboxing, so yeah. <laughs> you know what it is. Uh, weird day, warm day, but uh, the weekends are nice. We have a cottage weekend coming up soon that we're excited yeah. for. yeah. A lot of things coming, man. A couple weekends, a couple weddings next weekend. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's, it's tough, eh? It's tough, man. It's, it's tough. I, I'm excited because I like weddings, but going to weddings for two hey. with a kid on the way. She. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough it's, times. It's, it's tough pricey times, times but yeah, you know exactly. I'm excited to see uh, both couples. It's gonna be fun. So mm-hmm. let's talk some. Um, let's yeah. talk some ball, but. I mean, before we uh, before we get into NBA, you want to start with some uh, Team USA. I just want to say Team USA. So Team USA things. had the additions of Javale McGee, Keldon Johnson, Keldon Johnson to replace Kevin Love, and uh, who was the other Bradley Beal, and Bradley yeah. Beal, and for the Olympics, huge uproar about both players. Um, mainly Javale, mainly Javale, which was pretty. Sh- I mean, both of them should, you know, really. I don't. I don't really understand. I mean, Kelvin. I get the Keldon Johnson. Pops the coach. He's a Spurs young player. Like I get the connection. I, I, that, yeah, I honestly also sense. don't think many people want to play. That's what it seems like to me. There, there's no way these are the guys that you're getting to replace. And not only to, not only to replace, these are the guys you're getting for Team USA. It doesn't seem like there's a huge demand for uh, for NBA players to play in the Olympics this year. Um, you know, it, it's definitely a different look for Team USA. They they struggled early, obviously. Uh, today, maybe half an hour ago, just reported that Zach Levine will be entering COVID, COVID protocol, and he won't be traveling to to, uh, to Tokyo with the team. Um, so now I'm assuming they're going to have another replacement. And I mentioned to you last week that maybe off air that Trey Young had tweeted something very clever about being left off the team. He tweet, he tweeted the either a meme or a picture or the clip of Isaiah Thomas in the Jordan documentary explaining how he met the criteria for their uh, dream team and was left off the list. At this point now, it seems like, like you said, you just you had ju- just told me, it's a shoe in for for Trey Young to take that spot. Um, who do you feel should take that spot? And if you know, if it is Trey Young, and even if it's not Trey Young, who do you think should take that spot? 
I mean, I don't really know other than Trey Young. He's the only one that raised his hand because that's right. the thing. I don't really know who's down, who's the, who's available. Also, Tokyo is like a COVID hotbed right now, and yeah. everyone in the in the village is every day they're testing positive. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know, man. It's not really. And after the season they just had, I don't think there's that many people that are keen on going. And I feel like a lot of the guys already have medals are just like, yeah, you know, they don't want to play anymore. The I'm older cool. heads are, are are not like the James Harden. I thought St- I, I would have wanted Steph Curry there, but. There's no way he. I feel like he's he's surpassed even Team USA basketball. It's just it's it's not worth he, my time. I mean, he. When you think about Team USA, you don't really think about Steph Curry's contribution right away. You think about the guys who've won multiple yeah. times. Melo, obviously, he's a Team USA like goat. Uh, LeBron's been there. KD's been there multiple times. Um, but now we're seeing a much younger Team USA roster. I do want to bring up a name. I don't think he's on the team this year. Um, you just look at the team. It's just, it's just, it's just Jeremy Grant. I mean, like I, we love Jeremy Grant. We know oh, they a, have book. They have, I guess, the book I is playing. He's joining, he's joining after. after. Um, but Drew Holiday is also joining them after. So that's a that's two key two. Oh, salt, so two, why are they trying to pick up guards then? Well, Zach Levine's out, so they need to, to replace him with a guard. Oh, true. They're just replacing the guys that they have. Um, I'm surprised Donovan and Mid- Middleton. I'm surprised Donovan Mitchell. Isn't hasn't raised his hand or isn't I think he's playing rehabbing. or he's rehabbing. He's, he's rehab. Injured. Oh, he is injured. He is rehabbing. Um, that's one guy that I would want to see. A young guy that you'd want to see. You know play who for I want to see? CJ McCollum could use some Team USA run next to his teammate. That's a really good point. Throw him actually. on there. He can yeah. guard. He can defend. Yeah. So I mean, Team USA is a bit deeper than we thought. They, they've got Deep Book. They've got Drew Holiday. They've got Chris Milton as well. Um, no, you honest. <laughs> uh, coaching staff is stacked as usual. I mean, you've got the best coaches in the NBA pretty much are all, like all-American. There's not many foreign coaches. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who replaces them. I, I think Trey Young, since you know, you know how you know how like Draymond Green always speaks his defensive player into of the year into existence kind of thing. I feel like the same thing will happen for Trey since he's volunteered himself. Um, but Maybe. yeah, it's it's not the same looking Team USA as we've been used to in the past. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see how they how they pan out in the Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be very interesting. I'm excited for it. They just beat Spain yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Pau Gasol is still playing at 41. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. They have a lot of – yo, you know what I'm noticing is a lot of international countries now have four, five, six NBA players. The talent internationally has gone a lot better. Like Spain had like Hernan Gomez on their bench. When you really think about it, this guy played for the Nuggets. He's on the Pelicans. It's like – He's probably super talented for that team. Exactly. You know, he's exactly. probably a nobody in the NBA, but we know anyone yeah. who makes it to the NBA is they can ball. somebody. They so, can ball. Yeah, Spain's got some depth. Spain's Argentina. historically Spain's historically always had depth. Argentina's historically always had depth. Nigeria uh, now. Nigeria, France has a bunch of guys on their team as well. Um, so international basketball, like on, on the Olympic stage, on the FIBA stage, is getting a lot more competitive, especially when you have Team USA not necessarily bringing their best product yeah. uh, to the court. Yeah. Before we get into ball talk as well, one more thing to shout out. Um, shout out to Young King, kid from Akron, yeah. on his release of yeah. Space Jam Space 2. Jam. Uh, it's just, you know, they debuted, I think, at $32 million. They passed Black Widow. And it, honestly, just for a guy who is playing basketball and, and an athlete, just to make these things happen for himself, like, yeah. it's incredible. You got to give him the flowers. Um, no matter how bad the movie might be. Yeah, there's been an uproar. Yeah. Bro, I've seen some crazy things. I've seen, like, 
Yo, in Space Jam 1, Jordan didn't miss a shot, but LeBron went four for five in Space Jam 2. <laughs> They're like, something like, something like even, even look at the look on the Looney Tunes face. They look scared down the stretch with LeBron. Even them, they, they don't trust them. It's like, That's bro, what hilarious. are you guys talking about? It's a movie, bro. Or like grown, grown men talking about like the, the script and how it's not sophisticated. It's like, this is a kid's movie, man. It's a, number one, you got you to remember, it is a kid's movie. You're also having a bunch of Jordan fans. 20 years, 30 years later, critiquing yeah. a movie that's for kids as well. Um, I don't think it's going to, I don't think you can beat the first one. Yeah. I, when you, when you go into sequel stuff and you have a new star, it's tough to beat that first you one. Know, I, I'm laughing because there's a, I want to shout out this Hoops Rant post because some guy posted this too. He's like, yo, this isn't made for you. It wasn't made for your 30 year old, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, behind. But this guy comments, uh, his name is David. He comments, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, F them kids. He's like, the, these kids don't even know who the Looney Tunes are, which is a very valid which point. Is very true. He's like, they made it for me, yeah. and I'm going to enjoy it as a 30-year-old man. So, yeah. you know, I can't take that away from him, but at the end of the day, it is a kid's movie. You got to yeah. give LeBron his flowers. Yeah. Off the court, we always talk about, you know, his, his – yo, he brought a bottle of tequila to the Phoenix Under his feet. And put it under his chair. Who can do that? LeBron is the dad of the league. He's the father yeah. of the NBA. And Rich Paul is now dating Adele. Is that true? That's true. Wow! They, they, they were at the game together last game. They sat on court side. Oh, yeah, and wow. Wendy, Wendy reported after. So Rich Paul. Rich Paul is dating Adele. LeBron's bringing tequila to the game. Bro, Rich get richer, eh? And one of those Chris things, Paul, man. unfortunately, is watching another seven-game seven series lead dwindle. Possibly. Uh, could be his fourth, which I think is the most all-time when he's Record leading 2-0. Mm-hmm. So let's start talking some basketball, man. This was a huge week. Unfortunately, in a seven-day in a seven day span, we got two games, and it yeah. felt really awkward. Yeah. Um, both games were taken by the Bucks. So let's start with game four. Game four was the 2-1 Phoenix, game four in Milwaukee. Yeah. And what did you see, my good sir? Because there was a lot to unpack, and that, that game came down. Both of them came down to the end, so... What did you both, see that game? What, what sucks is about when, we, when, we, when you compare those two games, both endings and both themes of the game are the same. And it's in it's that Phoenix had it. Phoenix could have won it. Phoenix should have won it. Phoenix lost it. At the hands of Milwaukee's defense. And specifically Drew Holiday's defense. And what sucks is game five. I'm oh, sorry, game four. We'll, we'll stick with game four. Um this is something. This is something that really highlights an issue that's been an issue throughout the whole series. Is Chris Paul's ability, not down the Chris Paul's ability to handle the ball and make the right decision, hasn't been his best series in his career. Um, hasn't been his best playmaking in his career. Uh, I think first three games he was averaging around five turnovers a game, uh, which is high for a high IQ point guard who is known to be a smart player. Um, obviously, we saw it down the stretch Chris Paul trying to make something happen out of, maybe out of nothing. Over dribbling, dribbling too much. Drew Holiday dips his hand in the cookie jar and he gets it. And then that's pretty much how they ice the game. Um, dis- really disappointing from that sense. I, I've, I've noticed Chris Paul in these playoffs, especially in the finals, trying to do too much too often. And more often than not, he instead of playmaking, facilitating, getting other guys involved, he's looking for his own. And he's got talented teammates. He's got DA who... Can run, can DA roll. Got that dope. Exactly. Can he can he has great hands. He's also D Book, who's also a great shooter. Great, put, um, can put the ball in the bucket anytime he wants. 
And boy, did he ever. And boy, yeah. And boy, did he ever. That's how, he had a 40-point game that game. Um, when, you, when you look at this, the, the stats, you wouldn't believe that Milwaukee won this game. Not a chance. 51%, so Phoenix, 51% from the field. Milwaukee, 40. Phoenix, 30% from three. Milwaukee, 24. 24% from the and you you Drew they still saw four for 20. They still won by 6 points. Here is a difference maker that I that I think is a difference maker statistically. Phoenix 17 turnovers. Seven, and when your point guard, your starting point guard, your Hall of Fame point guard accounts for a third of them, you're going to have problems winning a game and closing out a game. Milwaukee 5 turnovers. Wow. That's what that's twelve extra twelve possessions. extra possessions for the Milwaukee Bucks to go down and get a bucket. Not only that, in a one possession game, exactly, and not, and not only that, Milwaukee shot twenty nine free throws, went twenty two possessions, two possessions, in, in the end, yeah, um, Milwaukee shot 20, 20, uh, 24 for twenty nine from three, as from uh, from the free throw line. Uh, Phoenix shot sixteen of nineteen. Milwaukee shot ten more free throws. They slowed down the game. They stopped the clock got to the positions they wanted to get to, and were able to steal a game by doing two simple things, taking care of the basketball and shooting free throws. Lastly, from my perspective, D-Book, 40-point game, was phenomenal, could have had 50. Why didn't he have 50? Because he's not a disciplined defender. Not a disciplined defender. Fell into foul trouble. Monty Williams at times was forced Phoenix kept like dumb fouls. Dumb, Phoenix dumb kept fouls. a six, seven, eight point lead, and Monty Williams was forced to take him out of the game when he fell into foul trouble each single time. And the Bucks just kept reducing the lead to two, and then he would be forced to throw him back in the game for some offensive output. You can't have D Book fouling out of games. You can't have D Book getting charged with his ticky tack fouls. At the end of the day, or, those or the last play where they don't charge him with the ticket. Or the last fouls. play where they don't charge him with a big foul, actually. He sure got fouled out like two um, minutes left in the game. So at the end of the day, those three primary things, the book fouling out, CP, turnover heavy, turnover galore, and then just statistically, you're not really setting yourself up for success. It's a surprise that the Bucks were able to run away with it, but when you watch the game, it's like, damn, Phoenix just, just, just did not know how to close out that game. Absolutely. So I want to point out one thing because last week we came here and I talked about one guy on the Bucks rotation. Do you remember the one guy I talked about that they needed more minutes from? Bobby. I said last week they're giving way too many minutes to Brooke Lopez. PJ. Way too little. And PJ. Yeah. And way too little minutes to Bobby Portis. So what happens in game four? They play Bobby Portis. He goes one of six, which is terrible. Yeah. But in 20 minutes, he's a plus seven. Yeah. In a game where they have, they won by six, they were down the whole game. They stole that game in the mm. end. So he brought in te- intensity, yes, strength yep. that these guys simply just don't have. Well, Bobby's done for this team, has ignited them, has put a, a, a fire under their buttocks, for lack of better uh, words. And when we talk about game five, he sparked that second four. quarter run. Uh, four or five. Four, like uh, game five, they had a 20... It was a forty-three to twenty-three run or something like that. Something yeah. crazy yeah. in the second quarter where they because they were down twenty in the first quarter. Yeah, they were down. And big. then they ended up coming out. They tied it before halftime. But Bobby ignited that run. But game four didn't play well offensively. Still was a plus. Yeah. Still played incredible defense. Brought amazing energy. Uh, like you said, man. Look, D book forty-two points. One very interesting point here. He made zero threes. Mm-hmm. He made zero threes 
And unfortunately, we know that in today's game, you need him. You need to hit at least a couple threes. You need him. 42 points, you know, it's great. Uh, it, there's no question about it. He played a great game. DeAndre Ayn only had six points, but he gave them 17 rebounds. Yeah. Chris Paul, man. Five for 13, 39% from the field, minus 10. Chris Paul has not been great. Yeah. And this team's greatness came through Chris Paul. Relies heavily on Chris Paul. Because D-Book is going to be D-Book. As we saw, he had two straight 40-point games. D-Book is a bucket. Yeah. Right? CP can't do what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the turnovers, at the end of the game, he simply just lost a dribble. Dribble, 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 dribble. In between two guys, dribble, dribble, dribble. You, Why? You have to be more poised than that. And and the thing with Booker, too, you're so irresponsible. Like, a few of those plays we were looking at were like, why is he doing – why is he committing this foul? Stupid and, and fouls. When you're a great player, and, and who is it? I think it's Richard Jefferson or Reggie Miller. One of them, whenever they're called – I think it's Reggie Miller. He always says these fouls that you're just giving away, it's a waste of a foul when you're a great player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. You turn it over. We understand. Committing a foul to stop the play in the playoffs, every possession matters. Every foul matters. Yep. If the book has, say, three fouls, it's a different game. I firmly believe they don't lose that game. Because one very important thing to note, over the series, Phoenix is outscored by 39 points in five games with Booker on the bench. So that means they're getting absolutely mangled destroyed when you really think about and it let's go through through their rotation Aiden hasn't been consistent offensively throughout this he has had a couple good games he's had a couple down games mm -hmm. same with bridges as well he hasn't really been consistent he has he had a couple good games a couple bad games uh you can't cam johnson's been great but he's a bench guy right uh cp has not been great d book has been the only consistent even he struggled in the beginning of the series yeah. but nonetheless He's been their offensive consistency. Yeah. And when you take him out of the game and they get scored outscored by 39 points, okay, it's one thing to take him out of the game to give him rest. But when he's causing himself to be out of the game, yeah. That's look, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday and it comes down to this for me. Phoenix, it's Chris Paul's time. It's not Phoenix's time. Because we're seeing the growing pains. We're seeing the campaign is not who he was in the first three rounds. He's pretty much a non-factor. And he was huge for them coming off the bench in the playoffs. We're seeing the Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, the lulls. And, and yeah. they, they have to play that every single game. But it's their first playoff run. You can't expect that. And unfortunately, with Chris Paul being his age, it's his time. They can still steal it. I'm not they saying can, no, that. No, they can't. I'm not saying it all because at the end of the day, they're, they're one-possession games. But... CP has got to be better, and Deep Drew book. Holiday has figured him out. He has defended the crap out of him. He's been an exceptional defender. Mm -hmm. There was something I saw where it's like Chris Paul turned the ball over three times total before the finals. He's already had like eight or nine. Yeah, he's averaging five. So, so close that, to five. That's, that's sort of what I saw from game four. Another, another key piece of it is, and what, what contributes to the turnovers, what contributes to – the lulls of the young guys is when deep hook is out you you watch that team play and they look like they have no offensive rhythm no fluidity no fluidity nothing is flowing well chris paul is just trying to take on the that burden and when you have deep hook off the court it shrinks the court for guys like jay crowder for guys like bridges the for guys like cam johnson who are catch and shoot guys guys who they're not going to really create plays for themselves if they do it's probably you know out of necessity but they're gonna, they're guys who Chris Paul, D-Book, are creating four. 
So you take D-Book off the court, your offensive option is a pick and roll with Aiton, which is a great option, but they, they seem like they've figured out how to defend that pretty well. And then it's either Chris Paul has to create a play for somebody else or himself. So you kind of shoot your D-Book is shooting that team in the foot. Like your your impact, your, the, the the impact of the silly fouls you make. There, you said there's the one where he, he turns it over, he, he fouls. There's ones where he's on the baseline and people are, are running in to rebound from the from the Bucks and he just shoves them out of the way. Like, box out. Do your job properly. You, you do your job properly, it eases up everything for your team. Jay Crowder had a good game four, 15 points, was able to kind of uplift them a little bit. Uh, Chris Paul, 10 points, like you said. It, that, unacceptable in my opinion. Um, Definitely. Cam Johnson, 10 points. Campaign, 9 points. They did have some help, but when D-Book goes for 42 points and nobody else scores above 15, it's going to be tough for you to win as a team. And one thing we haven't really even discussed, too, is Chris Middleton had 40 points that game. He shot 46% from the field. Chris Middleton has been on an onslaught. He's unguardable. When he's he hit in that rhythm in this playoff run alone. He's at fifteen go ahead slash clutch free throw or um, baskets, tied LeBron from the two thousand and seven run. And it came to a point where last game when we were watching, you call it, he's MSC. I was literally he's like he's gonna come in and wild just, step back three. You're he's in. literally gonna walk in and just score. And literally, what did he do? He walked in. Mikhail Bridges in his nose. He's in his nose. Yeah, bang. And yeah. this guy is just in his zone. Giannis is in his zone. And Drew Holiday finally played better in Game Five. Yeah, but Chris Middleton, when he's doing what he's doing, yeah, and Giannis can impose himself on the interior. It's this team is really, really hard to stop because on the other side they are incredible defenders. Even both of those guys we just listed, long, long arms, athletic, ridiculous build. One of the key problems for Phoenix is that they're not able to defend on the on the perimeter. And by them not being able to defend on the perimeter, I'm not talking about defend threes. Them not being able to defend on the perimeter allows Giannis to get inside, go blow by, blow by everybody, and just dominate the paint. It allows Chris Middleton to get to his spots inside. Just rise up over everyone. And rise up because he's too tall, too long. And we, we talk about Giannis, we talk about Chris. Drew has been struggling defensive, uh, uh, offensively uh, in game four, game five. Like you said, he picked it up immensely. Brooke Lopez, you're getting 14 points out of him, 15 points out of him, who also is a key piece to stretch your to stretch the floor for you, mm-hmm. can also score inside. He's been a great center for them all all uh, all series long and all, all all playoffs long. When you do when you go on the flip side, you have DeAndre in, and that's the only center that they have. And DeAndre in is guarding Giannis. And they DeAndre lost Sarich. And they lost Sarich. They're not deep at that center position, at the five position. And then you skip to game five. DeAndre in played 45 minutes. That's how reliant they are on DeAndre in at this point. And the th- and what did you tell me before you recorded? The three minutes he was off the court, he w- the team was minus ten. That's insane. My, they have they nobody. They lost the game by two or three. They have nobody. They lost four, the game by four. by four points. They have nobody to guard the interior. They have nobody to guard Giannis. Nobody. To guard, they, they they go small ball a lot of times. Giannis at the five, Chris at the four. They have nobody to guard it, and then they expose whoever is in for Aiden or even Aiden. When they do a Giannis Chris pick and roll, that has been unstoppable for the Bucks. No matter what, how you put it, Chris handling the ball or Giannis handling the ball on the opposite each other, they they pick for each other. There's options all over the floor, and the Bucks have and I'm sorry, and the Suns have not been able to figure any of it out. And it, it's dangerous. It, it's dangerous when you come down to down the stretch and you can't close out these games because of s- silly, stupid turnovers. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, a part of that too is being there before and not being the first time or young young player. And and Milwaukee's been knocking on the door, man. They've done their time. Like I said before, we started the finals. Like Milwaukee's done their time. So when it comes down to it, and and big teams got to pull through, that they're gonna pull through. You were gonna say something. When, why I don't see. I like what you're saying. I understand. I understand what you're saying with the young guys and the lulls, and it contributes a lot. But down the stretch, you have the ball in Chris Paul's hands, turns it over. Who else? Who else do you want it? Who Who else do you want the ball to be handling the ball down the stretch? Maybe D Book turns it over in game four. Well, D Book's fouled out. That's the issue. And that helps a lot. And, 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 and Bridges was struggling. Aiton was struggling. Let me let me give you a little bit of uh, a little bit of stats for Game Five. We went through the stats of Game Four. The Game Four seemed like it was Phoenix. You know, it was a Phoenix party. They end up losing. Stole it. That was Stole the definition. It. Sorry, before Both you games. get into that, that was the first time in NBA Finals history a team that shot better than fifty-one percent lost to a team that shot less than 41% or something like that. It was a stat that, because like you said before, Milwaukee shot 40. 40%. They shot 40. To 51 in yeah. Phoenix. They should have win. That is Phoenix's game. You do not lose that game. What, what What's crazy is is we talk about the extra positions, the 17 turnovers to five turnovers, uh, Suns versus Bucks. Those 17 turnovers turned into 97 field goal attempts. The, the, the Suns had 78 field goal attempts. They almost got 20 on field goal attempts because of those turnovers. And you wonder why the Bucks were able to catch up at the end and steal it. Yeah. It's They're these... also a great transition team. So uh, Yeah, of course. Yeah. But it's, it's these key little notes that you gotta be you got to pay special attention to. You can't be committing 17 turnovers and allowing for 20 extra shots to be attempted by, by your opponent. You're not going to win that game. 10 extra free throws to be attempted by your opponent. Those 97 field goal attempts, those are field goal, field goal attempts. Those are not possessions, right? You're still getting... Plus ten or minus ten from the Phoenix perspective on the foul on on the free throws. You go to game five. Game five was a bit more balanced. Um, the Bucks shot fifty seven percent from the field. The Suns fifty five. The Suns were up double digits after the first quarter. Yeah, from three point. The Suns shot sixty nine percent from three point land. Sixty nine. The Bucks shot fifty. Not poor. Nice. Not poor, but nineteen percent less. Free throws. The Suns shot 90%. The Bucks shot 50% from free throw, but still were able to make nine, and the Suns only made 10 on their 90% free throws made out of 11. So just because you attempt more, or just, sorry, just because you make more, doesn't mean you're going to win these games. you got to attempt more shots. You're going to be able to put the ball in your hands. You're going to get more possessions. All those key things matter. You look at the turnover race. The turnover was pretty close, 11 to 8. Um, the Bucks were just able to find key ways Who to win. Who had eight? Suns had eight turnovers. The Bucks had eleven. It's a great turnaround. Yeah, seventeen. Great turnaround. But they still had the same amount of field goal attempts, eighty-seven to eighty-seven. So the Bucks were able to kind of level the playing field. They shot poorly, shot really poorly, especially in the beginning. But they're able to pick that up at the end. Um, and 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 just Who shot steal poorly. It. The Bucks shot poorly in the beginning. Oh, in, in the, the beginning, beginning. No, sure. No, but no, I was no, like, no, their big no, three. No, 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 in the game. No, no. Because the big three, Chris Middleton, 29 off 52%. Drew Holiday, 27 off 60%. Yep. Giannis, 32 off 61%. And at the end of the day, look, we said it. If, if Giannis and Chris are clicking, this okay. team is hard to beat. You want to throw in a Drew Holiday double-double, 27 and t- 13 assists. You're not going to win those games. And it still came down to the last possession. Yeah. And what happens in the last possession? Young, immature D-Book drives to the lane. Those I thought he could have floated up. 
maybe um, twice before he turned around. It, it, it's not, yeah. He got, he didn't get trapped, but he got stopped. And when he stopped, he turned and he put the ball down. Once you put that ball down, it's over. It's over. And you're already double teamed. You're, yeah, it's over. And you have an elite defender like Drew reaching in once again, yeah. stripping you of the ball, and then that, that beautiful transition play on the fast break where Giannis the, calls for the alley you boneheaded foul by, by Chris, Chris Paul, Paul. That iced the game. Exactly. Well, actually, it didn't ice the game because he went to the free throw line, missed it, and then he, he's like, I don't want to do any more free throws. Blindly throws it behind his back. Uh, luckily for him, Chris Middleton was behind him, gets it. Goes one for two from the free throw line, makes you, it a four point game. They don't stand a chance. You're just not prepared. You you need to be prepared for. You've known Giannis has had free throw struggles all game, all series, all playoffs, all year. You should be prepared for the most wild free throw rebound. You should be prepared for a short free throw. You should be prepared for, you know, uh, a free throw t- uh, to, to to you know hit off the rim and, and go us a, a random way. You guys have to box out. You have to be there. For Giannis to be able to get up and tap it out back to his teammate, it's the key little details that yeah. help you lose a game. It's those things that you miss that and help look, you lose Phoenix, a game. Phoenix made a huge run to end that game, and they were down eight with yeah. like three minutes left, and yeah. Bridges hits a three, and right. Chris Paul hits a three. and So they, they were right there. They were down one, and then unfortunately with the turnover and the boneheaded foul. like I can't stress that enough because – if you don't commit that foul, it's a three-point game, and you get the ball back with a chance to tie. A chance. You lost that game right when they made that fourth, or made it a four-point game. So, mm-hmm. very unfortunate, man. I want to see um, DeAndre Ayton, forty-five minutes. Like, what's his Woodyana put twenty and ten? Great line, forty-five minutes. He's gonna do his job. Uh, plus D six. Book, another forty-point game. Chris Paul played better, twenty-one point sixty percent. So I don't really know. Just that one sounds like it was a toss-up. It came down to the end, and the better team just executed at the end because it was a one-point game. You had a chance to win it, and you got turned over in very rude fashion, in my opinion. That was yeah. the rudest strip. Like that's a that's a get the hell off this court strip. It was now, the way he took it out of like it was like you know taking candy from a baby. Yeah, that's what it felt like to be honest. He ripped it right out of him. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what? The, the, the better the better team did win. The better team did win that game, and your ability to execute late game is probably up the top three most important things in a playoff series. If you cannot execute in close games, you cannot score, you cannot defend, you cannot make key plays in, in, in close games, you are not going to win an NBA championship. You're not going to win a playoff series. And the Bucks, time and time again, have been able to make key plays down the stretch at home, or at a or uh, on the road, yeah. and that game five, in a two-two matchup where you are the team without home court advantage, and you basically turn it around and get home court advantage, and are one win away from an NBA championship. Winner on your home court. That is a pivotal game to win. The Suns really needed to win that game. I, I'm not oh, saying. 100. I'm not saying. Who's on their home court? I'm not saying it's an impossible feat for them to come back and win in seven. It's a very difficult one. This I don't think it's that difficult. I think if they win six, it's a toss-up, and you're going home for it. The first team to win on the road usually is the most favored team, and, and that's just naturally. Is a, is a and game five is a – yeah, it, it's too close to the end for you to lose games at home. You know what I mean? If you lose your the first – you know, one of the first two games, you still have a chance to make up and go steal one away or whatever – uh, on the Bucks home court, but you lost a key pivotal game 
You're now right now. The Bucks are riding a two-game win streak. They've got all the momentum in the world. They're playing at home. The Bucks crowd is wild. You got to go in there and 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 wreak havoc and somehow pull out a win. And it, yeah, listen, my prediction was Bucks in seven. I still don't know who's gonna win. I I, I still think Phoenix has a, has a, has a great chance to turn it around, but Bucks in six is their mantra. Everything is falling into place for the Bucks at this point. Um, it doesn't look too good for the Suns, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, but like I said, I don't think it's that difficult, to be very honest with you. I think, like, I'm not saying it's an easy task to win. I just, it's not like they need to come back from 3-1. They need to win one game, Yeah, and that's it. And there's a whole mix of things, right? And I want to ask you this, like, do you think that the youth of the Suns, like, think about it this way, right? Like, you lose game four, and that's tough. Because of the fashion that you lost it in. Because you're winning the whole game. You're winning down the stretch. Couple plays down the end and you end up losing that game, right? It's a heartbreaker. Yeah. You have a bunch of young guys. That's a heartbreaking game. Could suck some life out of you. Then the next game, you're up. You're ahead. Everything's going well. And then they, again, steal the game. So do you think that because they have such young guys and this is a very exhausting experience... Do you think that they're checked out now heading into Ooh. game six? Because that is one thing. I don't want to say that because they are professionals. They're, they're professionals first and foremost. There's a lot of pros in the NBA, though. They're well coached. Yeah. Uh, their leaders are Leadership dogs. is too good. So I don't think that that's the case. But I, I want to know if their confidence, like Mikhail Bridges, like, yeah, I guess he ended last game pretty well and, and Aiden's playing pretty Listen, well. But that was one I, thing I, think, I was wondering. I, I think you're. You're whole. You're putting. You're giving the fact that they're young too much light, in my opinion. The reason being is because, yeah, you know what? They maybe haven't been able to fire on all cylinders whenever they get called every single time. Fine, but the majority of the reason why these games slipped are because of the vets. Are not necessarily because of the young guys. Yeah, I get it. D book goes out uh, due to foul trouble. The young guys aren't able to compete as well. That's fine. You're still in the game. You still have chances to win the game. You have multiple chances to win the game. D-Book hasn't been able to close. CP has not been able to close. Jay Crowder, who is a vet as well. We, I mean, we talk about all these young guys. Jay Crowder is a very solid vet. He hasn't been able to help to close. Monty Williams is a great coach. Hasn't been able to put you know, a flow when D-Book isn't on the court. Hasn't been able to adjust. Hasn't been able to call like an audible kind of thing where... You know, D-Bucks on the court, but we're going to do this instead. This is how we're going to get it. We're going to win. We're going to play team ball. We're going to. This is how we're going to win. So, I don't. I don't think they're going to be checked out because the leadership is too good there. Uh, Monty's too good. CP's too good. D-Book's too hungry. But I just don't buy this young guy stuff. Yeah, it has a has a has a has, a, has an effect on the series and in the games. But the reason why you're losing these games, your vets aren't able to execute, and when your vets aren't able to execute, you can't. You need a miracle from a young guy to be able to execute. I honestly have seen also the Phoenix Suns struggle getting baskets down the stretch. Because no deep book. And even when deep book's on the court, they rely on him too much to get a basket. But that also is a big part of being young and having a young team because they don't know how to get buckets. They don't know how to get their shots up. Do you really think they're given a chance to be able to go get a bucket? Yeah. You think so? To handle the ball and go get a bucket for themselves or try to get a bucket? Let's see their field goal attempts. These guys are getting. They're getting touches. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about statistically. I'm talking about you You watch these games. These With guys Booker are getting, off the floor, yes. These guys are getting fed the ball by a playmaker. They're when not necessarily... When Booker's on the floor, yeah. But if he's out with foul trouble, then they don't have a choice. 
And Mikhail Bridges put the ball down and hit a three last game to almost at the end of the game. They gave him the ball. They, he had to go get a bucket. You want for the majority for the majority of those times where D books on the court, CP has been a ball hog, in my opinion. Yeah. Sure. And he doesn't really give much. I don't know. Maybe he, he had eleven assists last game, though. That wasn't the game that the book was off. That was game four. Um, I'm not saying he is a ball hog, but I think he's just put the onus too much on himself to go in there and create, and he hasn't really given anyone a chance to be able to do so as well. Mikel Bridges can do it to a certain degree. I think Cam Johnson maybe can do it, but they're still young. They're still young, Super not raw. proven. So even in Chris Paul's head, he doesn't have the confidence in these guys to go ahead and create a bucket for themselves. So. It's tough to really blame these guys. These guys, their roles is to knock down shots when they get the ball. Down the stretch, they don't really get the ball. So I can't really blame them down the stretch. If you're not defending, I can blame you. Your, your role on the other side of the court is to go ahead and play defense. Um, so in my opinion, I'm going to put it on the vets. It's on them to be able to play as a team, be able to put confidence, instill confidence into these young guys. And I don't think they've done, they've done that. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about on the show is uh, it's kind of something I've been it's been brewing over the last couple of days because I'm I'm seeing a lot of this. But Giannis, the number one player comp for Giannis that I'm seeing is Shaq. Yeah. Giannis is modern day Shaq. You know, yeah. he's super efficient. He's beast down low. Dominant, whatever. I personally and I'm, I want to be very careful when I say this, but I think it's slightly disrespectful and it puts him in a box to label Giannis a Shaq. Mm. Because I think Giannis is much more versatile than Shaq in terms of how he runs the floor, how he can handle the ball better than Shaq. He has slightly better vision. But all in all, he's just a, a superior athlete. Yeah, Like Shaq was Big. pound the paint, and that's what I did. Mm. Giannis pounds the paint, but Giannis has a good touch around – he can float her. Finesse, yes, he finesse can, too. You know, like he – there's no question he runs the floor much better than Shaq ever did. Uh, Shaq did not defend well at all. His pick-and-roll defense was abysmal. Mm. Giannis is an incredible defender, defensive yeah. player of the year. So I think it's disrespectful, man. Am I Am I wrong here? Like do I – am I coming from left field when I say that I think you're putting him in a box when you label him as Shaq? Because I think he's way more than that. He definitely is way more than Shaq. What, what people – think about when they think about Giannis's dominance and I think that's why you pivot to Shaq because Shaq is the most dominant right so you, you, Giannis doesn't get his buckets shooting jump shots shooting threes or whatever he gets his, he gets his buckets around the paint um, being able to take advantage of size mismatches um, and just being a dominant force in the paint so that's where everybody's correct with the comparisons I do agree with you saying Giannis is much more versatile much more athletic um can do a bit more, but when you really look at it, like, yeah, no, he can do more. He can do more. Shaq didn't have this little um, free throw line, you know, not not a, not exactly a fade, but you know, Giannis likes to get deep in the paint and then take a step forward and step back, mm -hmm. do a little nice little uh, little fadeaway jump shot. Giannis, Dirk esque ish, yeah, exactly, but just a bit closer to the uh, to the basket. So Giannis does have a. A few more weapons than a Shaq would, I would say. Um, but what's crazy to say is that y you put him in the box and you say, you know, it's a bit disrespectful. Shaq is honestly years. When you look at the numbers, when you look at dominance, when you look at winning, 
Shaq was years beyond or years better than than Giannis from that perspective. Shaq was able to average 30s, 40s without shooting threes, not making free throws, just dominating and, and, and literally bullying everybody in the paint. So disrespectful territory? I don't think so. How old was Shaq when he first won a chip, though? And he had Kobe. He was. I mean, he was yo, older. Listen, he was I, older than Giannis I, I is get, right now. I, I get you. I get you had you had Kobe too. You had Phil, whatever. But like, don't act like the, the Bucks aren't are a team full of scrubs. They've got a great team. Chris has For been sure. playing at a, you know, borderline superstar level. The way he's been getting hot and the way he's been closing games, Giannis has not been closing games. So you want to compare Shaq and Giannis? No, no, absolutely. I'm just saying Giannis is 26 years old. He still has seven years in the league. Yeah, yeah, but when Shaq won his first chip, he was I think he was 28 years old, if I'm not mistaken. It's probably seven years in the league as well because Shaq came out of thir- three Whatever years. Whatever the in- case may be, there's if he wins that ring, there's two years before he gets to Shaq's age before he won his first. So think about the development, the things that he could do differently. And honestly, like... Oh, you think there's more room. You there is more, more room. And, sure, and yeah. another thing okay. I want to bring up too, and I had this argument, and I will probably have another argument here about it, but if Giannis wins this year, takes a chip home... yeah. At 26, can you make the argument that he's better than LeBron was at 26? And no. Skill wise, I don't think it's a very fair Fine. question There's at zero all. Chance. There's zero they chance. There's zero chance. A million percent completely different people. Yeah. But okay. you can't tell me that's not a legacy question. The guy, we look, Giannis, multiple exits in the playoffs, frustrating exits. Team's not really building much around him. What does he do? He signs a five-year. Stays. One year in advance, he signs a five-year. LeBron, same situation. Leaves. Leaves. Builds a team. You, you, now, you, you that's go fine. He goes go and he wins. That's cool. If Giannis stays and they win, first chip in 50-plus years, you can't tell me legacy-wise that. And honestly, it's it's going to be all when it's said and done. But It has to be when it's said and done. You can yeah. never compare those two guys because one of them is – Superior talent or skill wise, but legacy wise, what he's done and two time MVP, like he's not no scrub. He's not a third, fourth option on the team. He's the guy. Another one thing to counteract the counteract the the Milwaukee not winning for forever. LeBron wins in Cleveland first time in fifty years, sixty years, ends at fifty year drought, whatever it is. That's a big one for a legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about legacy. LeBron has been the best player in the world for ten years. 10 years minimum. Um, Giannis, you can argue if he's been the best player in the world. Maybe he's been the best player in the world for three, four for years. And let's say three. Two, two three years. We'll go in the I'll say three because this year he didn't win the MVP, and then right. two years he won MVP. Fine. We'll so say three. three. We'll say three. Just so when because. He was 23 years old, though. That's important to know because he's only 26. Okay. So I uh, think LeBron started being the best later in his career only because Kobe. Only because Kobe. Giannis only started being the best because LeBron. I think we disregard KD a lot. We do because of KD immensely because of KD. Sure, but you we're talking about basketball here. We're not talking about personality. You know he was on IG. He was on the IG. He's this guy claimed that that the 2017 finals was better than this finals and it was evenly stacked. Why are you doing this? Yeah, I can't. I can't defend that. But you want to talk about it'll be when they're all said and done. If Giannis sits on that one ring, this is my thing: is that you said. Last week, off air, before a couple of days ago, if Giannis wins this one, he's unlocking a different tier. I think he already he's going, unlocked the tier, and he's going to whatever. Yeah. But he's going to win multiple. But yeah, so the, yeah, that will ease his way. I need to see 
what 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 sucks about playoffs sucks about NBA is it's very it's a lot more injury ridden than it, than you think it is, and we forget because we go on to the next year. Say, oh yeah, Bucks won last year. Everybody was healthy. We go on. There's been a lot of key injuries to help the Bucks and 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 that kind of assist the Bucks in, in winning a championship. Not that it didn't happen for LeBron. I'm sure there was plenty of key injuries that happened for LeBron as well that worked in his favor. Mm-hmm. But it's very hard to get to a finals. Just because you get unlocked doesn't mean you're going to get to a finals again or doesn't mean you're going to be as successful again. What if this is the first of 10 straight finals? If this is the first of 10 straight finals, he... he he, That'd he, be crazy. You, you can start to talk about legacy, uh, Giannis versus LeBron, but like, like it's hard to get to a finals. LeBron did it ten years in a row, a decade, or I think it was in a row, right? Eight straight, uh, eight straight, missed nine one, straight. then went nine against with the Lakers. Whatever. We'll we'll round it up to a decade of LeBron finals. Like that's not something easy to do. It's been done by very few people, generational people, um, or or these consecutive kind of finals. It's been done by very few people. Uh, in the history of the game, if Giannis can be that one of those people, then for sure it up, upgrades that legacy. But as as much as I honestly did not want Giannis to win or do not want Giannis to win just because I'm salty about him not coming to Toronto, I don't know if you've seen his interviews lately. Oh, he's, it, it, he's playing on my heartstrings. It, it, it makes me open up my heart to him. I'm like, wow. How do you, you not deserve, love Giannis? You, you deserve know? to win. He He knows what to say. He knows how to say it. He. You see he, the one where he's like, I, I hug my brothers and... Uh, so he's like, I, lo- I was tired. I looked to my right. Chris was tired. I looked to my left. Drew was tired. Yeah. He's like, you can't help but just hug them because they're my brothers. Yeah. He's like, I just hug them and I tell them, we got this till the end. Yeah, man. Like, Bro, that's a teammate. That's a leader. <laughs> that's I don't even leader, need to play. That, that's, the, that's the exact the kind of guy you root for. We, we, yeah. always talk, we always root for Chris Paul right now because he's changed teams. He's played his dues, blah, blah, blah. But Giannis is on the other end. He's just a good guy. You know what I mean? Honestly, both ways you go, it's super great from a legacy yeah. perspective. I, I'm also love, love, loving Chris Middleton. Yeah. Um, just seeing him do what he's doing and just being the low-key guy that he is, just coming in and killing. He reminds me a lot of like LaMarcus Aldridge in terms of like he's a star that he can walk in the street and nobody would know who he is, but he kills. Well, LaMarcus hasn't killed in years, but yeah, in his prime. In his prime, you yeah. know, like that kind of player where he's killing on the court, but off the court, it's like, who is this guy, right? Yeah. Um, before we end, I want to say. A quick prayer out to um, Max Verstappen, uh, because yeah, Lewis Hamilton is a is a dirty, sly, scheming, cheating Englishman, and Englishman. he bumped love tap. I mean, if you ask Toto, I don't think he did anything wrong, wrong yeah. according to his emails, but. Yeah. I think you know uh, Toto may have missed an attachment in that email where he <laughs> uh, completely was you know out of position. Yeah, they said he didn't hit the apex. Do I know what the apex is? I have no idea, but he didn't hit it, and I think that that's illegal. So, so therefore, yeah, Lewis is a is is a raunchy cheater. So, shout out to Maxi. It's Red Bull's year, even though they tied it. I think it's they tied his it, year, right? Man, it's his year. And Mercedes no, tied it. No, 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 no. It's still four point lead or five point lead or something. Lewis seven. Yeah, Lewis right. is down by seven. Uh, right. Four so, constructors. So we got we got a we got a Red Bull year. We got hopefully he can play and we hopefully he can race. Uh, you know what's crazy is Sonoda got like he like missed the lane or something and like yeah. cut someone off and he got the same penalty as Hitting. as Lewis for launching Max at 150 miles an hour. But yeah. like Max says, we go on. Yeah. So uh, this show is brought to you guys by the Balls Life Podcast Network. You know where to find us: Facebook, Instagram, Google Podcasts, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Twitter, wherever you TikTok. like your pictures and DM. 
you can find us and enjoy the rest of the finals. We'll come at you next time with an NBA with champion. champion. Let's go. And, and a Space Jam review. Maybe. And a Space Jam review. Hopefully. Oh. Cheers. <laughs>